Awesome. God is good. Amen. God is good. He's so good. He's always good. And uh, so, so in the house in the Friday this morning at Excite Church and to all our visitors, welcome. No more. How am I? So good to have you all here. We're going to get into God's Word and we've been looking at God's questions in God. There's many a times where God, He begins to question His people because, you know, His purposes and His plan for us is so powerful. And He begins to throw out questions like, you know, what's in your hand? We heard a little bit about that. What's in your hand? And use whatever's in your hand because it's about His purposes because He's got a mission. Amen. God's on a mission. And right from the beginning of age, God has called us, uh, you know, to love Him. And this morning, the question that I'm going to be talking about is, uh, do you love me? Say, do you love me? Hey, turn to your partner and say, do you love me? <laughs> do you love me? I mean, you know, I don't know how many wives ask their questions to their husbands. Like, do you actually love me? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I love you, honey. And they go, well, go mow the lawns or something, you know. Go and do something. And, uh, or, or go and paint the fence or whatever. And it's kind of like I'm going to be reading a passage of Scripture uh, from uh, John chapter 21, 15 to 17. And I really believe that Jesus, He wants to restore the call. He wants to restore us because he, he wants to restore us because he's got a call for every single one of us that's in, sitting in this place here today. And here we see he's talking to Peter, but I really believe he's talking to you this morning. He's saying, "Do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me more than your fish and chips, or more than your job, or more than any other person? Do you love me?" And he puts this question out to Paul. Uh, not Paul Peter, in this, in this uh, chapter, John 21, 15 to 17. And John, the apostle uh, who writes this uh, passage, he finishes with this story. And John 21, 15 to 17 says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Say, do you love me? Say, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. How many husbands have said that to their wives? Oh, come on, honey, you know that I love you. <laughs> Not many, if any. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So he's got a mission and he's got a plan for us. He's got the call of God. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, three times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Man, isn't Peter just humbled right here? I don't know if you know about Peter. I don't know if you know who this guy Simon is. Jesus is calling him Simon, who, one, who, who actually changed his name to Peter. And Peter's the guy who Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Simon gets up and he stands up and he says, you are the Christ. But he's also, he does a little bit of dumb stuff as well. In one moment he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he tries to tell, tell Jesus, come on Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So one minute, one minute he's in, in Jesus' favor and the other minute Jesus is telling him to get it behind him. And so Peter He's humbled in this moment because Peter's that same guy who said, Jesus, I'll never forsake you. Where you go, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, hey, before the rooster crows, you will de deny me three times. 
And here's Peter in this moment. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, Peter's in this place right now where he's a little bit lost. Or maybe he's in this place where when we read in Luke chapter 21, he's actually in the moment of about to give up. He's given up. He's giving up a little bit, and Jesus has told them, I don't know if you know the story, but Jesus has told them many a times, wait for me in Galilee. And so they're waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for Jesus to turn up, and and Peter, he's the ringleader of the group. There's about seven of them at this stage at the beach. And Jesus is praying, and Peter's like, come on, guys, I'm off fishing. And you know, Peter's in that stage, and he's just about to give up. He's giving up. He's like, man, I've made mistakes. I thought I was on plan. Jesus said that I'm the fisher of men, but I'm waiting for Jesus. And he's in this place and he's like, what's going on? He's feeling a little bit lost. And he's like, come on, boys, I'm all fishing. And then all the boys go, I'm coming with you. He's about to give up. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you feel like giving up. Where you feel like giving up, maybe it's a job opportunity. Or maybe it's giving up on something that's really important to you. Maybe a project that you've been given. Or maybe on your family. Or maybe giving up with your faith even. And your faith is so low, you feel like, man, I feel like giving up. And Peter's in this place in John chapter 21 where he's about to give up. And Jesus is about to restore the call and recommission this man of God. And we can be in their place too where we feel like giving up. It's like, man, it's hopeless. I'm lost. Maybe because it's a lack of understanding or fears and failures, then maybe there's some fears in your life and failures that have happened in your life. You feel like, man, I want to give up. Maybe there's been some hurtful experiences by maybe other Christians or churches that you might have felt because people have hurt you and go, man, I'm just giving up on this walk because I feel hurt. Maybe because you've had a significant loss in your life and you're just like, man, I don't know where I'm going. Or maybe because it's the sins and the struggles that you face with, that you stand and you go, man, I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't serve other people because, man, I'm just, I can't get over. I need a breakthrough and I just feel like giving up. And you know what? It can be so easy just to give up. It can be so easy just a couple of times and I don't really like pig hunting before. But I've been pig hunting a couple of times and I don't really like it. (laughs) But one time I remember we were down in Nortucky and I don't know if I shared the story with the church, but I went pig hunting with my mate in Nortucky. And I mean, if you're down in Levin in the hood of Whenua, the Moonga, the mountains are massive. They're huge. And so one day we went for this massive walk and we cut through this fellow's farm we cut through this other land we were poaching on. We had to get through this other land to get to where the pigs were. And as we crossed through this path, there was these other guys, these other hunters there who actually owned the land. And so we ducked down because they spotted us and they started letting their guns off. And so we were holding our dogs probably for about an hour. We were hiding under these bushes. They were running around trying to find us and we're trying to keep our dogs still. And finally, eventually, they took off on their quads, and we carried on walking. We never had quads because we were poaching. <laughs> we were trying to sneak in and, um, and to get to the, the back blocks or in, in, in this forestry block that we were trying to hunt these pigs. And then we get over there, and the minute we get in there, we, we get onto some pigs. 
And I mean, you know, we get on some pictures, our dogs are going, we chase them down the hill, and the adrenaline starts rushing. Yeah? The adrenaline starts rushing, you're enjoying it, you're going, man, this is awesome, this is so much fun. Running down the hill, I'm running and I'm tumbling down the hill, um, you know, sort of rolling down the hill, really. And then we get to the bottom of the, the, the hill, right down into the, into the gully and uh, up against this waterfall. And there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of dogs, and they're barking at the pig. And so we grab the pig, and we stick it. That's what you do. I, oh, no, I took this young guy with me. He was from Porirua. And I was trying to get him off the streets, and so I took him with, him, with me. And so I said, here, grab the knife and kill it. And he's like, no way. I thought, you were a tough guy, aren't you? Because in Porirua, you seem like you're tough. But he didn't want to kill the pig. Eventually, we killed the pig. We gutted it, and we carried it. And then my mate said, we're going to go back up this way. And we carried it over these hills. And every time when we get to the bottom of the next hill, we're like, I'm like, how far do we have to go? I was like, man, let's just drop this pig off. I feel like giving up. And he goes, it's not far. It's just on the other side. And so we get up to the other side. We get on the hill. And we say, oh, choice. We have a bit of a breather. We get back down and we start climbing back up. And I'm like, how much longer do we got to go? And eventually, like, uh, there was a time where you just feel like giving up. You're tired. You're weary. You feel like you can't do it. But in the end, we get that pig to the other side, and his dad's waiting for us on his horse. So we chuck the pig on the horse, and we ride down. We get to the bottom. We have a good cry. Why did I tell that story? Because I just wanted to, like, encourage you guys with a story and tell you don't give up because there's a wild pig at the end of it. No. <laughs> I mean, some of you probably don't even like wild pork. <laughs> but I mean in life and that's just a story of pig hunting and I've only been twice but my mate he wasn't even weary or tired because he had done it over and over again we want to give up or we lose hope time and sometimes we go at stuff once and then we want to give up or we lose hope or there's fears and there's failures and this is where Peter's at Peter's in this place and he's like man I feel like giving up I'm waiting for Jesus, and I don't know what's going on in his mind. He's probably thinking, man, I've failed Jesus. I've failed him, but I really need Jesus. I really need him to turn up and step up, but he's not here right now, so I'm off fishing, and that's what we do sometimes. We think Jesus is not going to turn up, but I want to encourage you people this morning that Jesus will turn up on time every time. You just got to wait on the, the Bible says this, those who wait on the Lord. Come on. Those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. And so I'm going to read John chapter 21, verse 1. If we can get it up there. And he says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. In this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. And two others of his disciples were together. So there was about seven of them. Seven of them. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you. So they're waiting for Jesus. Jesus hasn't turned up. They're kind of given up, like I was talking about. We're going to go with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat. And, the, and that night they caught nothing. So they went back to the old tricks. They went back to what they knew. They went back to what they kind of enjoyed. But they even they got worse at it. And that's what happens sometimes. We're, we're heading in a direction. We're going somewhere. We're doing a project. Or, we're, or God's called us into ministry and we're doing something. And it looks like it ain't happening. 
And so they just say, well, let's just go back to do what we always have done. And when we, when we go back to what we've always done, we, it's actually worse than it was before we started. And that's what's happening here. Peter goes back fishing, but they catch nothing. He's a great fisherman, but now he's even a worse fisherman. He's gone back to something that God called him out of, out of and God called him to be a fisher of men. And here we see they catch nothing, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish lay. Simon Peter went up and dragged the two, and bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153, that's a lot of fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples did ask. I don't know if you've ever been to a men's ministry, but I mean, I could just imagine that none of them even probably wanted to talk. I mean, they're eating. When men eat, they don't want to talk. And so they're probably all there knowing that it was the Lord Jesus. And they came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And here we see just that story that I was talking about, that Peter, he was about to give up. He was actually in the place of giving up. And I really believe sometimes that God maybe has given you a dream or God's given you something or a project. And sometimes it gets a little bit hard and it feels like Jesus hasn't turned up. But I want to encourage you first and foremost, Jesus will always show up. Come on, Jesus will show up. He's got you. He's got you. Jesus has got you. He will always show up, and Jesus turns up. He turns up when you least expect it. He doesn't turn up when you think he's going to turn up, but he'll turn up when you really need him, and Jesus turned up, and when they knew that Jesus was there, Peter was so excited. Jesus was so excited. Uh, Peter was so excited. He just wanted to get in front of Jesus. He really wanted to get in front of Jesus. He really wanted to get, get right with Jesus because he knew that only Jesus could sort him out. So he really needed to get in front of Jesus. So he jumps out of the boat. And you know, Jesus, he's into restoring the call of God that's on our lives. And some of us might have dropped the call of God or some of us might have dropped something that God has called us to do. But God wants to restore it. God wants to uh, cause it to come alive and be on fire. God wants you to be on fire for him. And Jesus, he restores the call. Amen. You know, what kind, of people does, what kind of people does God use? He uses people like Peter. Sometimes Peter's full of faith and sometimes he's just doubting. Sometimes Peter, is, he's wild and he'll stand up for you and then next minute he's denying. And God wants to use people just like that. And we've just got to understand, we've got to get in front of Jesus and Jesus is going to turn up and Jesus turns up on the right time and the right place. Hallelujah. And then he goes into that story. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And so the call of God is so powerful. 
The call of God is so powerful, but, but Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Because really it's the love and the greatest commandment Jesus says, he says, what is the greatest commandment? People go up to Jesus and says, what is the greatest commandment? He says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. So he's saying, do you love me more than these? Am I, am I more important than anything else in your life? Do you love me, Peter? Because if you love me, man, I'll restore the call. Because I'm about to restore something in your life. Do you love me? I know this I'll be because I want to restore back. You love me. And that's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. Do you love me? Because I want to restore back what the years that the locusts of Eden. Do you love me? Jesus is saying to us this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, we have, and what do we respond? Yes, Lord, we love you. And you know that I love you. And Jesus wants to restore something. And he goes to, he goes to Simon. Do you love me? You know, God, He knows the best about you, and He knows everything about us, every single one of us. He knows our darkest moments. He knows our, when, our, when our mind is thinking wrong. He knows when our heart's in trouble. He knows everything about us, and He loves us so much, and He wants to restore, he wants to restore the call of God on your life. God has called every single one of us, and the call of God is always about other people. And he says, feed my sheep, tend to my lambs, take care of my sheep. And the call of God is never really about us, even though God wants to deal with us. But it's always about other people that he's so, he's so, he so wants us to be thinking about other people. There's other people that are lost. There's other people that are dying. He's like, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. Peter is a fisher of men. He's that guy. That's who Peter is. Jesus said, no longer will you be a, a fisherman, but you'll be a fisher of men. Now it's time, Peter. I'm recommissioning you, Peter, to come on, go and feed my sheep. Go and take care of my lambs. Go and take care of people. And there's people that are all around us that God is calling us and saying, do you love me? And if you love me, go and take care of someone. Go and reach out to someone. Go and tell somebody how much they, that they're cared for and loved for. Take care of them and love them. And that's the call of God. The call of God is not about us. But the call of God is about other people. Someone say amen this morning. He's going to have a drink. And so really, my message is not really that long this morning. It's really quite short because we're going to have a bit of fun. I mean, the kids are anyway. I'm going to eat food. But Peter's story is so encouraging to anyone who has failed. If there's anyone that's in this meeting this morning and you think, man, I've failed, I've been a failure, maybe, you've, I don't know what, any area of your walk or your life, this story here is such an encouragement for every single person who has failed at something. Because all of us really, we've failed at something or we've fallen short of the glory of God. All of us that are sitting in this place here this morning, the Bible says that there's none that is good, but we're only good because Jesus is good. Hallelujah. And it, re and it really shows us that God, He really knows every single detail about us. He knows our darkest thoughts. He knows when we're happy. He and He knows, and He knows he knows so much about us. 
and He knows and He loves you so much. And if you've turned your back on God or you've returned to your old way of life, come on, listen to what Jesus is saying this morning. Do you love me? Come on, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because that's the greatest commandment ever. Hallelujah. Don't return back to that unproductive fishing. (laughs) But be a soul fisher and be someone concerned for the sheep. And what motivates us to serve the Lord is the love of God. That's what it is. It's not so much the need, it's actually the call of God and the love of God. And God wants to restore the call of God upon every single person's life here. And God hasn't called us just to be sitting in the pews every day, but there's a mission field out there. And some of us, we might not even know Jesus. Some of us here, we might not have even asked Jesus into our heart. But God is calling us, come on, come back and be like that Peter and turn back to him and get on track and say, man, I'm going to go after the call of God in my life because God wants to restore it in Jesus' mighty name. I'm just going to read Psalm 51, and I'm going to end on that this morning. And it's a, um, it's a powerful prayer that David, David spoke on when he sinned. And it's a prayer that he cried out to God. And, and, I, and I think it's a, such a powerful prayer for us that we can remember and we can learn and we can know. But it says this, have mercy. Say, have mercy. I'm just going to end on this, script, uh, this passage, and maybe I can get the band up. That would be awesome. says, have mercy. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So our sin and our, and our failures and all those things and our struggles that make us want to give up, we're really just, we've sinned against God and that's it. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, say wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Not sadness, but gladness. Sometimes we're always just hearing the bad news and the sad news. But David's prayer in this moment, he said, let me hear joy and gladness. That the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. It's a powerful prayer. One of, one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Bible is a powerful prayer. He says, Create in me a clean heart. Oh Lord, create in me a clean heart. And I suppose that could be a prayer. It's like, Do you love me, Lord? Yes, I love you, Lord. And sometimes we just got to come before God and say, God, create in me a, in a, a clean heart. So I don't want to give up. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. I've messed up, I've failed, I've done this, I've done that. I feel like there's shame on me, but today is going to stop. Because God, I want you to create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore, say restore. Say restore. Say restore. To me, the joy of your salvation. Hallelujah. That's a great prayer, Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And even though Peter, he was in a fishing boat and fishermen, but he had something going on on his heart. And he knew he had let the Lord down because he denied Him and he wanted to deal with it because he denied Christ publicly. And now he's, he's standing before God and all the other men that are around Him. And He said, yes, Lord, I love You, Lord. I need You in my life. I've been sad, but I want that gladness back. Restore unto me. He didn't pray that prayer, David did, but I just kind of wanted to put this prayer in there because it's kind of the same way. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation because when we, when we don't know we're saved, there's no joy. We lose the joy. And God doesn't want you to, to lose the joy. He says, restore no matter what's going on, if you feel like giving up, but if you've got the joy that you've got salvation, I tell you what, you can be going in the darkest hole. You can be rejoicing. Why? Because you've got the joy of the Lord on you. The joy that's been restored. Hallelujah. There's great joy coming. Restore unto me the joy. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous...